Rony Zone Media and Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast proudly present Disney Once Again. Hello and welcome to Disney Once Again. In this podcast, we will revisit a Disney classic animated film. We're going to give our favorite things about it and any connections that we see to ABC TV's Once Upon a Time. Your hosts are Jeff Roney and Colleen Roney. And now on with the show. Hello. Hello. And welcome to another Disney once again. This is episode number 237. So to get to the show notes for this, it's onceuponatimepodcast.com slash 237. And we have just watched the fantastic animated feature by Disney, Cinderella. One of my favorites. Yes, indeed. Soft and sweet. Very good. And we're going to be talking about all the things that we notice now and that we may have forgotten. Sure. But the Cinderella that I always associated with was a little different. It was this. You know the eighties. Eighties hair bands. Hair bands. Oh man! I got to. I got to fade it out quick because yeah, you do. Please, things coming. Please. So do. anyhow, but we did watch the Cinderella, the animated feature. Nineteen fifty. Nineteen fifty. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that yes, we're doing. Yes, Hauser, nineteen fifty. <laughs> I didn't say anything. You did. You repeated exactly what I just said. Well, <laughs> I was just glad it was the right year. <laughs> that was correct. So anyhow, I'm glad that we're doing these out of order, actually, because it is interesting yeah. to see the different styles and the different directions that they're going instead mm-hmm. of going in chronological order. Yeah. So, Cinderella, for me, is one of the, my favorites just for many reasons, mm-hmm. but uh, animation style is actually one of them. Because it reminds me of the cartoons I grew up watching, like Tom and Jerry, Woody Woodpecker. Very, very similar style as far as um, the way they're drawn. There's the the watercolor realism, you know, in the backgrounds in some cases and in others, not so much. But it had the um, effect that I pointed out a few times, which was you would see kind of a general view of something and then they would zoom in or focus on it and it would be extremely detailed and very lifelike. Mm -hmm. For example, when the mice were helping to get her dress ready for the ball, 
they were showing, you know, close-ups and focus and detail of the lace trim around the collar. But when she went down to show off the dress, it was, there was no detail. You couldn't see the lace. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was the looking through the Duke's monocle. And when you looked through it, everything was very, very real and uh, true to life. And then when it wasn't looked at, it was, everything was just kind of very generic. General. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we've talked about the different things that they tried that were very different mm-hmm. and innovative and new mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. I, I, lo- I love this movie for, like I said, this is one of my favorites. I I had a bit of an issue. We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. And it was very, I was surprised. Really? So. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. So let's start at the beginning. Okay. It's a very good place to start. Wrong movie. Anyway. <laughs> so at the beginning, we see the book. We the do. fairy tale book again. Be- before the book, though, is the credits, the yes. opening credits. And they were very almost Scandinavian in their look or mm-hmm. Germanic, which Cinderella, I believe, is a French fairy tale. It was written by Charles Perrault, but um, I don't recall where it was set, so to speak. Okay. Well, that's okay. It was a fairy tale, so let's, you know. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning... After the credits, we see the book open, and we see yes. it begin with "Once Upon a Time." Correct. So another As all connection. Good fairy tales do. Another connection to our favorite television show, mm-hmm. and the stepmother. It is one of those things where it's a known generality. The stepmothers, for the most part, are cold mm-hmm. and evil. Mm-hmm. And this really sets that up well, I think. Looking down out the top window and with the clutching her children and all this kind of thing. So we we can take this all the way back to the 50s, it would seem. Mm-hmm. Probably before then. But anyhow, we also see more multi-plane camera goodness. Mm-hmm. Have a couple of fly-ins that were really fantastic. Yeah. And it was actually kind of a sad story. This little girl was growing up in this great family with a father and a mother. Well, right. She was. Her father and a mother. And then her mother passed away when she was very young. And so her widowed father, you know, lavished everything he had on her. And then he decided to marry again. And unfortunately chose very poorly. Yes, and then he passed on. And then he passed on. And that was so sad. Yeah. And it was just that scene of Cinderella crying on her bed with the candle mm-hmm. lit. And they yeah. re- everything was dark except for that area. Right. And it was a very sad, sad scene. Very, so, very. The one I really enjoyed, though, was Cinderella. And here's my subtitle. I'm going to give this film a subtitle, Grace Under Pressure. Mm. That's the subtitle. It's as you watch Cinderella, you will see this goodness. And we we talked about this on the Once Upon a Time fan podcast about a character being good, so good it's almost freaky. Mm-hmm. And Cinderella is that character as we kind of work through this film. 
she had her moments, though. True. And not to say that they were she was evil or bad, but she had her moments where she was, you know, very. Um, she wasn't good, but she wasn't evil. She was just very unhappy. You could see. Yeah. The I love the connection with the talking and the interaction with the animals that she had. This is not the first time Snow White had the same type of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she is a she's the keeper of all things that she's around, not only the house mm-hmm. because Cinderella was basically the wash person, the scullery maid she's called in another part of the movie. She's basically taking care of the household, but she's also taking care of the animals in the household and around the household. So it's very, there there was a a kindness, but a kindness that had action to it. It was very interesting Mm -hmm. where she would put things on her head and take care of people, even though she didn't want to. Just the most awful, cruel stepsisters and stepmothers and mm-hmm. that old cat and all that kind of stuff. Lucifer. But she mm-hmm. take she took care mm-hmm. of all these people. Yeah. And but I love the connection with the animals. You know, she could talk to the animals. Mm-hmm. The animals helped her out. It's a very kind of a fun thing. So Yeah. She had a commune with animals. Which Snow White also had that yes. ability. I mean, the animals didn't talk back to her, but she had that ability to speak with them. Right. So. the It was interesting. She was talking about a wish. She said, if you tell a wish, it won't come true. Mm-hmm. So it's that whole. These are little things that we probably saw as children. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they, the writers of the move, the script for this animated feature added those in. Mm-hmm. Say, well. You know, what people say is when you wish and you blow out a candle, if you tell that wish, it's not going to come true. Let's write that in. That's a pretty good little thing. So it may have been something that was, you know, superstition back then. And it could be something that they made up. And as such, now we have learned that growing up. Because I remember growing up as a child, that was, you didn't tell a wish because it wouldn't come true. Right. Have faith in your dream was another. Uh, idea I wrote down as I was watching this because it was a dream is a wish your heart makes when you, when you are fast asleep. Right. And so that dream is almost an internal wish mm-hmm. when your subconscious, when you're asleep, it's, it's, you keep wishing mm-hmm. even in your sleep. And, and when you have faith in your dream, I think to keep on believing, uh, the the dream that you wish will come true. Right. So it's just we've seen these kind of things before. Pinocchio, a wish, and that kind of a thing. Right. So. And I was going to say, as lovely a song as "When You Wish Upon a Star" is, "A Dream Is What Your Heart Makes" is the one that gets me sobbing every time. Well, don't, it's very emotional. I know. Don't don't <laughs> don't sob. But let's let's no. play. Uh, let's play a bit. Okay. Of it. a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep in dreams you will lose your heartache 
song and nice thoughts as well yep and eileen woods who was the voice of cinderella did the singing as well um it's funny back in the day sometimes the disney voices that did the actual speaking voice didn't always do the singing and it kind of carries over even now um although i know in a lot of cases they are getting actors who will sing and do the actual voice work but eileen woods um she was an 18 year old singer in 1948 and had her own radio show, the Eileen Woods show. And so apparently they um, approached her and said, you know, would you like to, to do this? And she gladly did it. And we're glad she did, too. She has a very lovely singing voice. And dreams, there's a number of things, and I won't go into it, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's woven throughout the first section of this film. The one thing I thought was kind of interesting is the she's changing behind this changing mm-hmm. wall, this foldable right, screen. wall. Screen. And screen. when the birds who it took three, I believe three or four two to to well, lift this right. large two of them dropped the sponge right. into the water when it absorbed all the water, the two of them couldn't lift it anymore right. by themselves, so they had to have extra help. And it brought it over and squeezed all the water over Cinderella and she was taking a shower and I love how the voice changed. It was that kind of high pitched bubbly voice. Right. And I just, I thought Jack had a creepy voice. I like Jack Jacques, right? The little mouse. Yeah. But he kind of had a weird voice to me. He, the mice had their own little language. Yeah. They they yeah. clearly spoke English well, but it, it, they had almost cutesy little mouse talk. Yes. So nothing was ever really fully proper. He never called him Lucifer. It was Lucifer. Mm-hmm. When they and it was Cinderella. Yes. When... And everything was. Um, they almost doubled everything. So right. Cat cat. And zip zip. I don't know what that means, but it kind of like an agreement. Like yep yep. But it was, it was up. and you're right. I I I don't speak mice, and so they're <laughs> they had their cute. own little. Yeah, it was sure. very cute, and there were some things you just kind of go, and it, it, they had a. It was almost like they didn't speak English, and they were you know that wasn't their first language. Do you know what I mean? Right. They learned it, but it, I know that that's not the case. But it was very interesting, you know, just the way they would they would um, you know Jacques would speak. He'd say, "You see, they fix her." she not go to the ball mm. kind of almost the baby talk a little bit but anyway uh, the the characters of Jacques and Gus very much to my mind were um a almost an homage or a you know whatever of the characters um from of mice and men oh okay so uh if that makes any sense Gus being Lenny and Jacques being, oh, what's his name? 
I can't think of his name off the, the top other of my head. character. Yeah. I have I have no exposure to that, so really? I will I will take your word for it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, because in in that in that in that book or in that um, there are two immigrant workers. Uh, George, George is the intelligent okay. one, and he, he's uneducated, but he's intelligent. And then Lenny was of large stature and great strength, but limited mental abilities. Mm-hmm. So, not to say that Jacques was, or Gus was limited, but he was very innocent, and that's yes. what that reminded yep. me of was George and Lenny. The animation was more what I would consider cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And I know I always go back to Snow White. I thought Snow White, even though it was a cartoon, an animated feature, it looked like a painting coming to life. Sure. But the the animation here was more cartoonish. It was interesting that the people, the main characters looked like real people to me but then as you kind of work out to the side characters like the the folks that worked at the castle for the duke right mm-hmm. and announcing this and that and obviously the mice and and all that the they looked more things. cartoony yeah. but the central characters looked more real to me and i don't know i just it, it, that kind of stood out to me yeah, there. It, the whole thing was very, like I said, it had a very similar feel to the popular cartoons of the day, which were like Tom and Jerry and sure, absolutely, and, and Sylvester and the Cat. Sylvester, by the way, absolutely, the, there was a, a section where the music was playing, dun, 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 and the cat was walking along, oh, yeah. and it was very reminiscent of those old Fritz Freeling, mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny cartoons. Sure. Sure. Of the the cat walking in sure. the little yeah, so the the fun music and then like I said that may that may be what contributed to my actual um, part of my love for this movie is the fact that it was very reminiscent of the cartoons I loved watching growing mm-hmm. up, you know Saturday morning cartoons and even after school cartoons they would play these and I and I I miss those cartoons actually. I am a dog person. So I chuckled a bit that the cat was named Lucifer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And and he was a mean cat. He, he was, was evil. Evil. The, the, the stepmother was evil. The stepsisters were evil. The cat was evil. Did, they were all evil. Did the stepmother seem familiar to you in any way, shape, or form? Well, I know that she her voice has been in other things. So. Mm-hmm. Most specifically... Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Mm, mm-hmm. Eleanor Audley. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous voice actress. Yes. She played evil very well. And we'll, I'll talk about the scene toward the, the end that was really chilling. It was very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the the one thing I did want to say is the backgrounds were phenomenal. There was a scene where... Cinderella was running down the stairs or going up the stairs. And Uh it was very, to me, reminiscent of Vertigo Mm. and those stairs up the tower. Oh, yeah. And to get to her own tower. She was locked in the tower, basically. Right. The furthest possible part away from the house, from the main house, she it took her a while to get up and down anywhere. So she had to, you know, kind of hustle a little bit. And they did mimic that a bit with the mice because the mice mm-hmm. had to go down this little kind of 
tunnel straight yeah. down, but they kind of traversed it. Yeah. And there's a nail and all kinds of things down there. Oh, so. yeah. That was in the woodwork, in the frame, you know, the, the walls of the house, mm-hmm. which is very typical of mice. I love that they made the, the mouse's, you know, world big enough that, you know, you could kind of feel what it was like to be a little mouse. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I, I love that scene where Jacques, that's right. Jacques, Jacques was telling Cinderella if something big is happening and it's kind of like Leroy or uh, in Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. It's like, news. I've got news. He's always the news guy. <laughs> and so Jacques was telling Ella, "There's we found a mouse yeah. in the trap. He's and in the trap. Well, why so didn't you say so? I loved how they... There's a difference, and, and we talked about Cinderella being good. If we find a mouse in a house, we're going to get rid of that thing, sure. no matter what. Sure. We're going to call the exterminator, however it's taken care of. But in her world, we release the mouse. We have Jacques kind of give him a little introduction. We, in this case, dress him, right. which was kind of a cute little thing. And give that's him shoes why we get rid of mice. Him. Right. We get rid of mice because they won't let us dress them. Okay. All right. If they did, True. then maybe maybe things would be a little different. So if you're a mouse and you're listening, you know you should probably consider putting on clothes because then maybe we would keep you around. I, I Gus was really cute. Oh, he's and very, very endearing, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think there were moments that I really enjoyed the whole interaction. You know, Jacques and Gus could really have had their own spinoff. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that would have been really kind of fun they, they work together pretty well i think they did and i like the fact that Jacques, who you know he's kind of like the he he's been around the block a few times a little mouse he was the one who showed gus the ropes right it was kind of like i i don't want to go off too much but it was kind of like that movie sandlot there's always the kid in every neighborhood in every kind of group that's the welcoming committee person who mm-hmm. gives you all the ropes, who teaches you all the things. Yeah. This is this is a cool way to wear your hat. This is not cool. This is and it kind of helps you along the way. Yeah. And that's the way Jacques was. I thought it was really, really cool. It was so. very cute because when she went to go release him from the trap, poor Gus was terrified. Yeah. He's and ready so to fight. she Yeah, he was. And she said, Jacques, you better give him the you know, mm-hmm. give him the lay out of the land here and tell him what's going on. And he did and he let him know you know, we like you. Cinderella likes you. She's very nice. You know, oh, okay. And then I love when she gave him the name Octavius. Very, very mm-hmm. uh, sophisticated. Yep. Very regal and imperial. And then give him a nickname of Gus. I thought that was really cute. And then he liked Gus Gus. Yes. Yep. Because with Jacques, everything is double. Cat, cat, Gus Gus. Mm-hmm. Doop, all right, uh, Bruno the dog, not not the most smartest dog in the world, but I love that uh, he he filled a very important role yeah, much did. later. Yeah, but they had him dreaming of of catching <laughs> Lucifer. Uh, yeah, were yeah. you dreaming again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you were you chasing Lucifer? Did you catch him this time? Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's very bad. Oh, poor sad doggy. Poor sad Bruno. But even. Even the most evil characters and animals, Cinderella tried her best yeah. to find the best 
part of them yeah. and tried to get them to get along. Again, it's that good nature that was just going right on down the line. It's sure. like, you know, Bruno, there's got to be some good well, parts to, good to Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah. Pause. And Lucifer is looking like, well, come on. Like, well, he's got to be <laughs> somewhere. Well, that, well you know, sometimes so. yeah. he... Yeah. Hmm. Well, there must be something good in him. Yeah. You know, I mean, it yeah. was just she couldn't find it. And I thought that was very funny. The Snow White and Cinderella wear Danish shoes at some mm-hmm. point yeah, clogs. in the animated yeah. feature. Cinderella so. slipped into the clogs mm-hmm. when she went outside to feed the chickens. Yep. Yep. And the livestock. And Lucifer. The cat was like a medieval king kind of licking the milk one drop at a time. And boy, he was just he was, really... He was bored and he was mad. Yeah, and yeah. he was mad because she couldn't find anything good to say about him. Mm-hmm. And I love that she kept calling him your majesty. Yes. That was hilarious. Because right. clearly he was the king of nothing. But he thought he was the king of everything, which was funny. Now, Cinderella does not have a... Correct me if I'm wrong, ride or attraction in any Disney park, except it has the castle. The castle. In Walt Disney World. Right. Yeah. But it's not an attraction, really. Mm. It's probably a restaurant somewhere. It's a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. There's a restaurant Mm -hmm. in Cinderella's Castle. And you can actually spend the night in Cinderella's Castle. I believe there's a suite. Like a dream suite up there, if I'm not mistaken. I we may get be getting confused with a couple of things. But anyway. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure there's a dream okay. suite in Cinderella's Castle. There's a possibility. Of that. I'm almost positive okay. about it. All right. But, point point is, there's no like you said. There's no ride through. There's no mm-hmm. you know show. There's and even no, even the walk through yeah, that's Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty because it's Sleeping Beauty's castle right. in mm-hmm. Disneyland. Yes. Because that was Walt's favorite. Mm-hmm. I mean, he loves Cinderella, but Sleeping Beauty was his favorite. When the, in my years of working in the corporate world, when Lady Tremaine told Cinderella, close the door, Cinderella, when the boss tells you, mm-hmm. come in and close the door, that's mm-hmm. never good. No, that it's is not. never good. Right. Especially if there's somebody else in there with them. With right. a pad and a paper. No, that's not, not good. But anyway, it was just kind of, ugh. And then as he pushed in the inside of the the bed, it was dark. And then, then you could finally see that it was Lady Tremaine and mm-hmm. Lucifer mm-hmm. sitting back in there in the dark, in the shadows. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So creepy. so evil, really bad. Creepy, and creepy. the stepsisters ringing the bells. Ugh. Always driving Cinderella crazy, and if she didn't get up there fast enough, then they started calling her. It was just, just the worst. She was treated very horribly. Yeah, she was treated very horribly. Well, and in the narration, said that she was abused. Mm-hmm. So, she was. Yeah. Anyhow, that that narration part, we kind of skipped over that a little mm-hmm. bit, but the narration part was very, very well done because, um, you know, it showed kind of the background and did show the flashback of her as a young girl. By the way, did you notice anything at all about it? I didn't notice this um, before until literally this time that I've seen this movie. And I've seen this movie a number of times. The flashback of her father and her as a little girl reminded me very much of Gone with Wind. Hmm. Her father looked a bit like Rhett Butler. 
and uh, she looked like a blonde Bonnie, which <laughs> was uh, Rhett and Scarlett's daughter. That's not the connection I made, and I was I was gonna, I was holding back because I, I thought it was a bit of a leap to me. The father looked like the father in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Oh well, there's That's, that too. Again, um, so. yeah, yeah, I can see that as well. But yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. But it just had a, it, that standing by the fountain, you know, petting the pony. That was that reminded me very much of Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. which was actually a very sad whole storyline from Gone with the Wind. Yes, indeed. And Lucifer, that awful cat, deserved oh. listening to those stepsisters practicing, quote unquote. Oh, he deserved yeah. every yeah. bit of that. Yeah, that mean did. cat. Yeah. I love that he put a pillow over his head and even that didn't drown mm-hmm. out the horrible singing lesson. Yeah. With, yeah. And by the way, the funny thing about just kind of a little side note, musically speaking, beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. I have it. I listen to it all the time. But what cracked me up is as a child, when the, when the stepmother started singing the pear-shaped tone, I thought mm-hmm. she said the pear-shaped tool. When I was a little girl. Yeah, I I didn't know pear-shaped something. I didn't know what they were really talking about. She was trying to Mm -hmm. teach her to sing the pear-shaped tone, which has a a lighter, smaller top and then a heavier, rounder, fuller bottom. That's a, you know, it's a musical thing. But it was very funny because the other thing is that when I first heard the opening opening song, the Cinderella theme, uh, which is sung by the Judd Conlon singers, Disney used them for a lot of the movies. If you listen to mm-hmm. Lady and the Tramp, you know that you've heard them on a number of the movies that um, animated features. But anyway, one of the things they say when that woman, in fact, you played it earlier, when the woman starts in with the solo, I always thought it said, though you're dressed in red. I'm like, she was never wearing red. Mm. It's though you dre- you're dressed in rags. Right. You wear an air of queenly grace. And I'm like, oh my gosh. For the longest time, I thought it was, though you're dressed in red. I'm like, well, what did they do? That That's jacked up. She's not wearing red. And then I'm like, oh, she's dressed in rags. Rags. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm a little challenged when it comes to certain lyrics. Me too. <laughs> I've, I've made it a but, work of art. But anyway, back yeah. to the singing lesson. That whole thing killed me. Just killed me. The whole thing was hilarious. Because you have this horribly awful singer... And the mother is playing the piano, and she's very serious, and she's not even like concerned by the fact that her daughters can't sing or play flute very well. And the flute player totally jacked up so much; it was, it was very funny. It was very, very funny. Well, and what's interesting is the narration said the money was lavished on her selfish daughters, right? So they've had years of money sank into right. them. That's why the the house went into disrepair. Right. That's why right. Cinderella is the only staff they have mm-hmm. to take care of it. Yeah. Because they're too selfish and lazy to do it themselves. The flute sounded like some type of keyboard. It didn't sound like a flute to me. Um, I, maybe, but I think it really was a flute. I okay. think that they had some really cool sound effects. Don't know how they made it happen that way. But uh, especially when she like hits her over the head with it. That was pretty funny. That was a very funny little sound effect. But it was uh, um, it was very much a flute, very much a flute. When I when I started watching Cinderella, I didn't know what movie it was because really? yes, I I had no idea. It didn't get straight to the part that I was waiting for. 
to me, I it, it felt like they spent a whole lot of time with the animals and the mm-hmm. the whole setup with the sisters and all that. We didn't get to the meat of it until way at the end. And, and we'll get there. But I mean, I just I didn't kind of get that. I didn't get there. So. Okay, that was a little random. We're no, talk, no, no. We're talking just, about the music here, <laughs> right? But flute. but what I'm saying is. You know, as we're going through, I didn't really. I, I need to say at some point. Okay, so sorry, it just it kind of seemed a little random. Um, no, I know what you're saying, but yeah, the whole setup, the whole first half of the movie, is set up to show the difference and why. You know, j- I mean, it's one thing for the narrator to say that she's been abused and mistreated by right. her stepmother and right. stepsisters, but then they kind of wanted to show. I think. The the point is, I think that Walt wanted to just show you just how bad it was for her so you would have empathy for her. Not just sympathy, empathy. Feel what she feels. That I had no problem with. It was all the animal stuff to me. But I think that that's part of it is to show you just this poor girl who's, you know, she... Because what what happened was, what they said in the narrative was that, you know, before her father passed away, they were happy as a family. Right. And these stepsisters were her age, same age. So, you know, she should have had these, you know, girls to play with as friends. And then when her, her, her father passed away, the stepmother's true nature, her true colors came out. And so for that, I think they wanted to show just how bad it was. Right. Go from this, you know, loved daughter who was treated so well by her father and then to have her stepmother and her stepsisters and the only thing she had for comfort to kind of keep herself from going crazy i think were the animals okay so i think they established the relationship and just how important the animals were to her because they saved her and they and they did in more ways than i one. know and they will you know we'll get to that in a minute but okay the i love the shell game with the teacups oh yeah that was great that, that was, was a lot of fun that whole scene absolutely just Cracked me up, and I'm. It cracked me up as a child, but it cracked me up even more because I'm looking at it, and the cat is just going bananas trying to get this big fat little mouse. Mm-hmm. He uh, he wanted Gus because clearly Gus had a bit more meat on his bones than the other little mice did. So I think he figured it was a better meal. I think he figured he was kind of slow and not very smart too. So he figured he was going to be an easy catch. And I love the fact that despite. All of that, they outwitted him anyway. Right. Because Lucifer, Lucifer thinks he's so much better and so much bigger and so much more powerful than he really is. And so I love the fact that they managed to outwit him, outlast him, outplay him. It was Survivor. Right. <laughs> yeah. I. The, the one thing that, that it always kind of looped back to, and I'm glad it did, is it always ratcheted down the tension mm-hmm. when... The the secondary moment was when Lady Tremaine called her in and shut the door and all that and said, since you have so much spare time, right. let's really give you some more things to do. Mm-hmm. And then there was a third coming up later on in right. the in the film. But those are those kind of ratchet points that yeah. if anything goes wrong, it is kind of those classic high expectation, rich families if you're working for them any small little thing mm-hmm. which is like oh okay 
You know, it's almost like the military. Mm, if, if you make a mistake, you're going to do more laps and more things and more whatever. And chances so. are good you're going to get that same punishment for your your comrades. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to be on your toes. One of the little things that I thought was very funny is when, uh, and going back to the whole Tom and Jerry thing, is when the whole Lucifer chasing around the mice thing happens when he chased Gus around. Gus jumped into the hole. Like, he opened up one of the, like, uh, decorative right. pieces on the wall, opened it up like a little door and dove inside. Lucifer dove after him. His, when he pulled back, his nose was square, just mm. like the whole, very Tom and Jerry. Yeah. And that made me laugh, too, because, again, here's this, you know, pompous little furball, and he looks like a crazy cartoon cat. I wrote it down, and I, I hopefully I won't repeat it, but I did want to say that... They had the most amazing mouse holes in this oh, house. Dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh, spinning things and sure. circular things, and oh, it was little, incredible. Little doors, little holes. Yeah. The, the mice little are... carpenter mice. Oh yeah. Did some work. Oh yeah. So, I wanted to talk about the Duke okay. section when sure. we switch over to that. The monocle. Yes. That was an amazing monocle. Oh yeah. Not only was it, I think, a kind of a, a wink, or that's probably too nice for a term. It was kind of an homage to the war. Mm. Yeah. But also, it was an amazing monocle because he played it like a yo-yo uh-huh. yeah. and all kinds of stuff. It was on a retractable chain. I don't know if you picked that up or not. No. I, yeah, no. it was on a retractable chain. So he would pull it down, and then he'd let go of it, and it would mm. go right back mm. up. So... Yeah, that happened in one of the scenes. I also wanted to talk about the the scene where, and I'm probably skipping back, but during the music lesson when we go down and the oh yeah, we kind of skip that whole part. Let's talk. Yeah, about but that. but the the fading of the most awful singing of that song to the other sister stepsister cleaning the floor, scrubbing no. the floor. Singing the song, Cinderella. Yeah, right. Okay, when you said but the I'm other just saying, stepsister, right, right, right. But but I, what I'm saying is an awful version of the song now coming to a great Cinderella. version of the song. Mm-hmm. Right. It was it was to highlight the contrast right. of just how awful and horrible they were, and how good and kind and sweet and beautiful and lovely and talented she was. Mm-hmm. And yet here she is. She's scrubbing the floor. She's down on all fours scrubbing the floor. And I love the fact that they had her essentially harmonizing with herself. That was all, all those voices were her right. layered upon, mm-hmm. you know, from a, from a technical standpoint, that was pretty amazing. How did they show that? They showed in the bubbles because mm-hmm. each of the bubbles was another voice. And it was, it was such, that's another one of my absolute favorite moments. Like I said, I love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The music is fantastic. And, um, that's another one of my favorite songs as well. And also, <clears throat> there was uh, color changes. Different. It it looked it looked like the elephants on parade. I haven't seen Dumbo in forever, oh, but I've right. seen the little parts in Fantasmic. Yeah. And and they had bubbles kind of floating around, and that's what it kind of reminded me of is these different tints and hues of Cinderella. In the different 
bubbles that represented her different voices mm-hmm. and, and harmonies and all that. Yeah. I thought it was just a, a great, beautiful segment. So. Now, I don't know if you know this, but um, Walt got the musicians from Tin Pan Alley, which was a collection of New York City music publishers and songwriters who were, you know, they dominated popular music in the late 19th century and early 20th century, so 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Tin Pan Alley musicians were the ones who, and songwriters were actually who composed it. So I don't know specifically who, but... That um, kind of gives this, you know, there's some very, uh, very, very early 1900s feel to that music. But uh, beautiful, beautiful songs and lovely score behind it. So, and like I said, Seeing Sweet Nightingale is one of, one of the more uh, beautiful ones. Yes. The, so... The Duke sends out this message that there's going to be a ball at the castle mm-hmm. and that all the eligible ladies <clears throat> of the kingdom would be there. Right. So let's talk about why. Why did the why was this ball going to happen? Well, and yeah, I'm trying not to. So the king mm-hmm. was worried because the prince had not married. Right. He was just out enjoying life, mm-hmm. being whatever. Right. And he, I thought it was kind of interesting. It's, it's a, I thought it was interesting that a king would be so obsessed with having the pitter patter of little feet around the castle. He just, that's what he wanted. I don't know. It, it's one of those things that, yeah, it's typically the mothers that right. want the grandchildren. But in this case, he wanted the grandchildren himself. He enjoyed his son. And you could see, you know, as he explained to the Duke, you know, I miss. And as he gets older, he gets further and further and further away. Mm-hmm. And they increase the echo to kind of yes. accentuate that point. And the paintings. And emphasize yeah. that point so that the pictures got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yep. And he got further and further away. Mm-hmm. I think what it was is that the king realized that he was getting older and he wanted, you know, grandchildren to kind of keep him young and to also hold on to that whole, you know, watching his son's life kind of grow up and away from him. So that was very interesting that he was the one who was so obsessed about having grandkids. It was kind of funny. There was no mention of a queen. Right. <clears throat> don't know what happened to her. Normally, it's the the female in the story that really right. is feeling like she's missing out on life and wants to get married. So it's it's really kind of turning it on its head. It's the kind of nudging mm-hmm. the young boy into well, uh, a situation where he could pick. A bride. Right. And it was a tiny kingdom. They mentioned it was a tiny kingdom. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, if that was a tiny kingdom, that was a massive castle for a tiny one. Can you imagine what a big kingdom's castle would have looked like? It was impressive. Um, But I I think the other thing is is that, you know, monarchy typically wants, they need the heir and the spare so that they can continue the line. No, it's the truth. So... Once that happens, everyone at the the two evil stepsisters mm-hmm. and Cinderella are all trying to put together this 
the dress for this ball. And, of course, Lady Tremaine puts on more work. So you can go, but you have to not only take care of everything I've already told you to do, but do this and this and that and this and that. Yeah. And so she had her regular chores. Right. Plus a whole mess of extra ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but even I as a child was like, oh, there's no way she's going to go because there's no way she can finish all that. Because I know how much time a lot of that stuff takes. And even as a child, I recognized that was very, very much a plot to get her to not be able to go. Right. And if she were smart and if the sisters had been smart, which cracked me up, I was like, really, you guys don't see how much time that's going to take? All they cared about was that Cinderella Cinderella was going to get to go to the ball. That's all that they were concerned with because Mm -hmm. they knew in comparison she was much more beautiful than they were. She was much more talented. She was much nicer. And there's no way that they could compete with the prince, which is funny because I'm thinking to myself. Compete so, for the prince. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Compete for the prince. Mm-hmm. You know, compete with her for the prince. Yeah. But what cracks me up is I'm like thinking, okay, so if she doesn't go, you think you have a chance against all the other women in the kingdom? Really? You guys didn't think about that? But. But they've been told that they're the best all their life. They exactly. probably had people pay sure. to come, and and they probably couldn't stand anymore. But they probably she probably Lady Tremaine paid people to come and say, "Oh, your daughters, just how much am I getting again? Oh, they're the best singers I've ever heard in this castle. Yeah, maybe. My gosh, you know they're incredible, yeah. and very very selfish, very vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, clearly that that's the the problem is that they didn't realize that that Cinderella was not their only competition, mm-hmm. and without Cinderella in the picture, they didn't stand a chance against anybody else. And the I love the little animals, the little mice, uh-huh. deciding we can do it, we can help make this dress. Yeah. So let's let's play a bit of that. Okay. thought that was the we can do there you go so they all got together and even Gus Gus he gets in the <laughs> In the mix there. Yeah. And the version I have actually has Jacques' dialogue. Okay. So I don't know why you don't have that version. But anyway, 
um, he says, you see, they fix her. She not go to the ball. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the girls start speaking up. And then the little girl says, we can do it. We can help. We right. can make the dress. Right. And then she starts singing. The mice decide to go ahead and start making the dress because she'd already determined that she was going to do it. And she had a style in mind. She had everything. You know, it was one of her mother's dresses. And I kept thinking to myself, that's old fashioned looking. I didn't think it was all that old-fashioned looking. I thought it was a lovely little dress. I mm-hmm. liked it as a little girl. I wanted a dress that looked like that. But apparently it was very old-fashioned. And um, I thought it was really funny that Gus and Jacques decide, well, we'll sew it. We'll cut all the fabric. The girls are like, no, 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 no. You're going to go get the trim. We will take care of the sewing. I, I thought it was cool that they made the dress partially out of the stuff that the stepsisters threw away. Well, that's right, because... I was upcycling back in the 50s. Sure, sure, so, sure. Or late 40s, whenever no, they made 50s, this, 1950s. when they wrote it. I don't know. But anyway. But, so, I thought that was kind of fun. Unfortunately, that was the undoing of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I did love the mice doing the little Tom Cruise thing with the with the thread. They were kind of going up and down, and they were kind of controlling <laughs> you mean where they were Impossible? going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, Mission with the, Impossible. With yeah. the birds and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, that was really cute. What cracked me up was, um, and I swear, as a kid, this was always such a big thing. My grandmother could never thread a needle because she couldn't see it well enough. Even with glasses on, she still couldn't see well enough to really thread the needle. Hence the reason that they have these actual little tools that are needle threaders, which is pretty awesome. But but what cracked me up was when the little mouse shut one eye, which is what grandma used mm-hmm, to do. Right. And shoved her arm right through the through the needle hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like, even if she hadn't shut her eye, there was no way she was going to miss the hole because <laughs> it was way bigger than her. It was funny. Now I know that this is kind of a joke that's been around, but I wish I could get mice to come in this house and help me put all the DVDs of Blu-rays in the right hmm. right cover. Hmm. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be awesome? We can do it. We can do it. Let's help Jeff put all the DVDs in. Hmm. I really want that. I wonder how they got like that. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Anyhow, so I really enjoyed that. I thought the sash that they took and almost got caught by Lucifer again. Oh, yeah. It looked like toilet paper when they were unrolling it. Well, yeah. Pink toilet paper. Pink toilet paper. Well, they did used to have pink toilet paper back in the day. True. Do you remember that? Yeah, toilet paper used to be colored, and then they also had um, colored tissues. But then they got anyway. There's there's some kind of study. Someone always does a study and then changes things. Sure. I loved how and Gus Gus reminded me of our nephew Ethan. Okay. When Cinderella came back in and said, "Well, I'm not going to the ball. It's all dark. She's looking out the window, looking at the fireworks." And then she turns, and then the lights start to come on. I thought, I thought a fairy godmother was going to appear there because the light started coming up. <laughs> and they turned around, and then no, they opened up the armoire and the, no, it was the screen. They unfolded the screen. Okay, they unfolded the yeah. screen, and there was the the dress that they'd worked really hard yeah. on. Yeah. And they said surprise, and then Gus said, "Like our nephew did, happy birthday." <laughs> I thought it was just so, so cute and funny. <laughs> See, That's he's, very, he he's very sweet, but he's not, he's not. The, I like Gus. No, Gus no, is he's, awesome. He's great. But he was all confused. It was really cute. Yeah. He's Jacques and sweet. Gus. Yep. All right. So 
And and I I said what I said because then when the fairy godmother shows up, all right. For, first, let me talk about this. We talked about Grace under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then Grace began to crack. Skip back before we get to the dress piece because that ties with what okay. you're talking about right. right now. When she goes to the stepmother and tells her that the coach is there. Mm-hmm. And the stepmother plays all innocent. Oh, right. Cinderella, yeah. you're not dressed. Yeah. She says, I'm not going. And that was that's the first time we've seen Cinderella not be pleasant. And, you know, I mean, she wasn't mean and nasty, but she wasn't happy-go-lucky. Like, oh, yeah, um, unfortunately, I, I didn't get my stuff done in time, so I, I can't go. She just said, I'm not going. But and the, she, was, she was almost petulant, but in a still very graceful manner. Well, the stepsisters took apart her dress anyway. No, no, no. That was before. Okay. That was before she went to see them. Yeah. Okay. So when she, uh, what I'm talking about is when she went to tell them the carriage was coming and the stepsisters, you know, were still getting ready. Mm -hmm. They needed her help. The stepmother said, oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah. There'll be other, other times. Yes, I'm sure. And she, I mean, she was very short with her. She did. She wasn't, you know. She was still polite, but she was very short with her. And that's the first time we've seen Cinderella get really unhappy about something that, you know, where she didn't have just full, complete, total control of, you know, her emotions, so mm-hmm. to speak. That was really her letting go and being very, very angry without being overly, like, angry. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then after the dress and they and she got into the dress and ran down the stairs, wait, wait, wait for me. That's when grace under pressure. That's when it came into what you're wanting to talk about, right? And so, when the I'm I, after the the dress being taken apart by the stepsisters. This right. is mine. This is mine. This is mine. Then she runs out to. But notice how that whole thing started. They right. didn't even notice. It. I know. The stepmother had to point it out. Absolutely did. And I was always fascinated with the way they drew her hands showing the pearls mm-hmm. or the beads. That was very, um, yeah, that was very, very well done. The flourish of the hand, the way she did it. It was, I, I felt like it was, I was watching a real live person mm-hmm. do that. I could see the live action actually doing that. The the scene that I was really kind of drawn to and was interested in is out in the Glen or the, the garden area mm-hmm. when she just started to break down when she says, I right. can't, I can't believe anymore. Right. She and hope. you know, that, that was really, that made it, that, that I mean, that gave it humanity because I think we've all been to the point where, you know, it's one thing to, think or believe something say i'm gonna be whatever and and everyone's like yeah yeah okay you just keep you just keep believing it right but then there's a point where you know you have an american idol moment or something where somebody goes you know you really you aren't good at that it's like wow i I think what it is is that with us i think most people know somebody who's eternally optimistic and it can be a little draining sometimes it's like doesn't anything ever get to you mm. how can you possibly see the good in everything cuz most of us are human beings we don't have that eternal optimism things do happen and they do get us down and we do have tough uh, tough time dealing with disappointment and things that you know don't go our way or something like that and this was the first time we've seen her not be that eternally optimistic 
you know, happy-go-lucky, everything's wonderful, no matter how bad it is, kind of a girl. And then that's when, to me, the fairy tale turned on. That's when we see the fairy godmother. I go, ah, that's what this is. That's that's this story. Right. Right. Because at this point in time, she needed to get to the point of surrendering the whole... Uh, eternal optimism. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. Once she got to the point where she, in, instead of putting on the facade that everything's hunky-dory, because that's what she's been doing the whole movie. Everything's hunky-dory. And it's great to have that optimism. I'm not, I'm not saying she shouldn't, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't be optimistic. But there is a point where you kind of go, okay, seriously, could you just be a human being and, and just kind of let Something other than optimism show through because we know that's what's really going on inside. People bottle up that stuff and then they let it unleash. And sometimes it's not very pretty. And in this case, she let it unleash. And it wasn't bad, which is a good thing, but it was good that she let it happen. I love the interaction with the fairy godmother where she said, you know, basically, I'm I'm beyond help. And she goes, no. If you were beyond help, I wouldn't be here. There's still a little left. Mm-hmm. And so that's all that the fairy godmother needed was just a little bit of hope. Just a little bit. Right. And so that's when things really start moving. And to me, it, it was almost a different kind of a movie up to this point. Because then, now we're firing on all cylinders. Now we get rolling. Mm-hmm. Now we mm-hmm. get, okay, you know, you need a carriage so we'll get a pumpkin mm. why a pumpkin ah, it doesn't matter it's so we just need a pumpkin right and boom we got a pumpkin and then we got mice as horses i don't know why they're horses but they're horses because she wanted so that was the funny thing it was the unexpected taking them out of their comfort zone and putting them in a position where they could actually do some really good you know, work and it needed to be a coaching for it. it needed to be something spectacular. It needed to be something magical and wonderful. And so the pumpkin coach made up the pumpkin was a perfect option for a coach. The four, four mice made excellent, you know, horses, the horse who's spent his whole life pulling carriages and being a work animal got to actually be the driver. It was kind mm-hmm. of like a walk a mile in somebody else's shoes kind yeah, of thing, yeah. which was kind of a cool option. And then the dog got the footman, which was a really fun little job for him as well. well poor Gus was hiding. I know. Poor Gus. Said, well, where's the fourth? Oh, my goodness. What have I done? Oh, yeah. I was sure there were four. Oh, mm-hmm. there you are. Yeah. Which I, that was, um, yeah. The fairy godmother loved her. She uh, is voiced by Verna Felton. If you remember, she was the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland. Off with their heads. Yes. And she's also going to be, uh, we're going to hear her voice in Sleeping Beauty. (sighs) Okay. Let's play a bit of uh, another song. Okay. We heard. Let's do that. Now, the the magic words. uh, Salagadoola, menchikaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Salagadoola, menchikaboola, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. 
it'll do magic, believe it or not. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Now salagadoola means a menchikaboola roo. But the thingamabob that does the job is bibbidi bobbidi boo. Like she was kind of going into that mouse language, I wasn't understanding what she was saying. <laughs> and she's reading a gum wrapper or something, but no. uh, it was magical words to help Cinderella get to the ball. So she goes to the ball. Yes. And the Duke was freaking out, kept watching. And Lady Blah 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 from the house of Da 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 come up. Well, the, and the king was watching and he yeah, was frustrated yeah. because here the prince is seeing all these girls and he's not interested in any of them. In fact, he's yawning behind, you mm-hmm. know, while he's watching, going, Oh my God, seriously, another one? And none of them caught his eye until, you know, he meets the Tremaine sisters. And then I love the fact that the Duke is kind of mocking what you think this is going to happen like this he's going to be in there and then all of a sudden he'll see her and he doesn't know who she is blah blah, blah. and it's exactly mm-hmm. what he's saying is unfolding on you know in the main hall and there's the prince whisking off to go see cinderella because he spots her you know what i i don't know if you paid attention to this is just how a testament to how lovely she is i mean she looked beautiful in the, in the dress i always loved that dress when i was a little girl i wanted to be cinderella for the dress yep. love that but Cinderella, as she's walking through the palace in this beautiful ball gown, the guards, not moving their faces, not moving their eyes, they are actually watching her with their eyes as she walks past. Right. Yeah. So, I see that. you know, she's gracefully moving through the hall and they, they are watching her because she's so lovely. And that was the whole, you know, that was the whole thing of the main song anyway. She's lovely, and it was pretty as a picture in a right. frame. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just she's she's clearly very beautiful. So they, he did see her. Mm-hmm. They had some time together, yes. and they fell in love magically, as in fairy tales. Of course. And then, of course, we have the problematic midnight thing. Uh, of course, we do. Oh, but more importantly. Before the whole midnight thing happened, we've got the stepmother and the stepsisters going, wait a second, who is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even the mother saying something familiar about her. She didn't recognize her own stepdaughter? Wow. Right. Wow. And so, and then, then she tries to follow the prince and this mystery girl. And they, they dropped a, and dropped the a Duke, shoe. Yeah, well, no, no. The Duke drops the curtain so that the stepmother can't see what's going on. And that's when they fall in love and they're about to kiss. And then the clock starts striking 12 mm-hmm. and she realizes, Oh, I'm in big trouble. I've got to get out of here because he can't see me like, you know, in my rags. So that's when she starts running and leaving. And he's like, wait, I don't even know your name. Come back, come back. You know, and that's when she drops the shoe and the Duke picks it up. Right. The, <clears throat> I did love that the Duke kind of, you know, talk to the hand kind of moment to the stepmother when she was walking up. He closes the the closes the uh, curtain and says, mm-hmm. "You ain't you ain't getting out of here. You ain't watching. This is yeah. not for you." Right. So I, I thought that was kind of cool because mm-hmm. they had really been so mean to her. My gosh. Anyway, just exactly. Awful. And that's why they deserve this. So then, as she was going back home, then the 
12 o'clock strike, boom, 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 and things start to change back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she apologizes for, well, they they scurry out of the way before the, the, the king's guards actually trample the pumpkin. Yeah. I always felt bad for the pumpkin. That's crazy. But I did. I felt bad for the pumpkin because that's, you know, it was a magical coach. And then it just, it served its purpose. And then it got trampled and all the magic was gone. I'm going to start to kind of skip ahead. So if there's certain things you want to talk about, just let me know. We did see Lumiere's great, 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 great grandfather in the castle there. Uh, It may not have been great, 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 great grandfather. We don't know the time frame. My guess is around the same time, so it could have been a relative. But anyway, you were saying? Uh, I did also love the jumping on the bed and the sword fight. Mm. Again, it was very Pinocchio. I'm sorry, Peter Panish. Yeah. But, I mean, they were both jumping on this bed, and he had a sword, and it was the just... King, but but w- he, right. explain the scene, please. So well, the scene is that the... The king had gone to bed before any of the Cinderella stuff had happened, right? Because he was he was tired. He's like, I just make sure he finds somebody, and then come come and let me know when he does. So when the duke comes in, he's like, he's found her. He's found her. Yes, but oh, great! So I'm going to knight you, and that's when the whole sword thing came out. I'm going to give you a knighthood because instead of being you know the the grand duke, you're going to be sir whatever. So then he goes, what do you want your title to be? And he's like, she got away, sir. What? She got away. So that's it. Wait, what? And then that's when he got mad and he started chasing him around the, the bedroom yeah. with the sword, trying to basically cut off his head because he let the girl get away. The woman who was going to be his, you know, mother of his grandchildren. Right. So then the sword fight happens and that's when they're having the conversation and the Duke's like, look, 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 I've got this slipper. And he's like, oh, perfect. Great. So you're going to, he goes, I'm not going to have anything to do with it. No, you're going to go and you're going to find the girl that can fit that slipper. And whoever fits it, that's the one. I love the Disney Wilhelm scream. I've heard that a lot in yeah. a lot of different. Goofy tends to, to holler like that yeah. quite a bit in uh, Disney movies. That's what I call the Disney Wilhelm scream. I do not have it to play, but yeah, you'll, I you'll know. hear it in this. You know what it is. Yeah. All right. I know that's not a very good rendition of it either, but anyway. So once the Lady Tremaine, when it all starts to fall together, Mm because they try to get this glass slipper on the two stepsisters and it doesn't fit. I mean, right. Okay, so let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Clearly, by the time he gets to the Tremaines, the Duke has seen every other. Mm -hmm. This is the last house. It's the furthest away from the castle. It's the last possible house. So there's no other maids in this kingdom except for the peop- the maidens that live at this house. So he knows it's got to be he's he's exhausted. He's like if it's not here I don't know where she is. So he's there, he's exhausted, he's tired of this. He's not interested in, you know, sweet talk, which the stepmother of course tries very hard to sweet talk him into acknowledging that one of her girls is the is the one and she's clearly convinced that it's one of her girls. So then He's sitting down in a chair. She's like, would you care for some tea? He's like, no, 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 I don't have time for this. But before all this happens, she realizes that Cinderella is the girl, the mystery girl. Mm -hmm. And how does she realize this? Because the 
edict came down that the Duke was looking for the girl that could wear the glass slipper. So right. they knew in advance that he was coming. When Cinderella heard this and dropped the tray and realized that the prince was going to marry the girl who fit in those in the glass slipper, she knew that her life was going to change. Yep. And it put her in a kind of a hazy fog, a lovesick fog. So she wasn't thinking clearly. She didn't play it cool. And therefore, when she started going back upstairs, that's when the stepmother, the light bulb just went on. And she knew, all right, she can't have this. It's got to be one of my daughters. So that's when she followed her up the stairs and locked her in the bedroom. Right. In the tower. Locked her in the tower. Mm -hmm. That's That's a very common theme. Rapunzel. Locked in the tower. Right. Bell. And once upon a time. Locked in the tower. Yeah. Right? So it's a very common theme. Um, so when the when the Duke does finally show up, and the stepmother has the key in her pocket. Uh, let me just talk quickly. There's a scene where the camera goes into Lady Tremaine's face, mm-hmm. and it all gets very dark except that's when for she her realizes. eyes. Yeah, that's when right? she realizes. And that is very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is... Not a lot here and there, but but there was at that moment. That's when I went, "Wow, that's pretty dark." Mm-hmm. And she knew, and now she anyway. But, right, that's yeah. when that's when her plot became. Mm-hmm. She hatched the plot to keep her locked in the tower. So now that she's got the key in her pocket, the mice see this and they realize they are the only way that Cinderella is going to get any help because she's locked in there. So they determine Jacques and Gus by themselves. Determine they're going to help her and get her out of this pickle. Which is funny because I don't know why they didn't just get the birds to help out. The bird could the birds could have carried the key up to the top of the stairs. Do you know what right. I mean? After, but I guess they didn't want to risk the the birds being seen by anybody because they would have been seen where the mice would not have been seen. I I love the X ray vision of Jack. I think looking at the pocket and all yeah. of a sudden you see the key, the key. inside and then whatever it, it just reminds us oh yeah it's in the pocket right and so, it's very much yeah. a again 1950s cartoon like the whole uh bugs bunny and tom and jerry especially very very similar to that Dur- during that scene when lady tremaine offers the duke some tea mm-hmm. gus was in the teacup right and it was the most amazing drop of tea I've ever seen in my life <laughs> because the tea was coming down and it stopped like the Matrix or something. <laughs> and then it went back up. It was the most amazing. Because she started to pour, but yeah. then it didn't actually happen. Right. Yeah. It was That's a, it incredible. Was, it's like molasses or something. Yeah, almost. It, just, it was very yeah. funny. So It would have burned him. And I thought, thought it was funny that he sucked his tummy in real far to get that, to, to avoid being burned by the, the hot tea. Um, so anyway, so then he tied his tail to the teapot to help Jacques lean over and get the key out of the pocket. But then poor little Jacques ended up in the pocket. And I thought it was very fascinating that they, you know, the whole thing kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or The Incredible Shrinking Woman, where you see the perspective, their perspective of what it would be like to be in a pocket. Right. And that was really funny that poor little Jacques was in there and getting bonked on the head. I was, was really mad when I was a little yeah, kid. Yeah. Hey, quit bonking him on the head. Quit smashing his head up against your pocket. And how did she not know? How did she not feel a mouse in the pocket? Yeah. That is an incredibly light little mouse. So, so the 
you talked about Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. It's probably Tex Avery. It's mm-hmm. probably all cartoons. Mm-hmm. When somebody gets hit on the head mm-hmm. and they go, wah, 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 yeah, wah, yeah. wah, they had those type of yeah. shots of the, uh, I wrote down the stairs, where yeah. it was kind of like doubled up and it was like you got hit on the head. and right. you just, Not right. stars, but it just... It was. It looked like you were double vision almost. Right. Yeah, and that was Gus when he realized he had. That was after they got the key, which Mm -hmm. they successfully got the key because they it burned Gus's little butt. Yeah. The T did finally burn him, and then that's when they fell out of the pocket, and the key fell with them down the thing and slid across all the way to the stairs. And again, poor Jacques got himself bonked in the head from it again, and then they realized they had to climb up all those stairs. But those that was. That was big enough stairs. Right. Then there was the tower stairs. Yeah. That it, was crazy. So I mean, it was Poor a very shock. it was a very comedic kind of moment it where was. you think that you think that you're there. It's like, wow, we did Woo-hoo, it, and nope. then it's like, oh no, 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 no. You know, it's like a kind of a Mel Brooks or something yeah. crazy comedy. It's like, oh no, now we get to the hard part. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, know, so, exactly. Poor yeah. little Gus got a workout, and he yeah. was so tired. Poor little thing. Very tired. So then we have this whole idea of we need to get the key mm-hmm. under the door mm-hmm. as fast as possible because the Duke is going to leave. Right. And, and Cinderella definitely needs to make an appearance, try and shoe the slipper right. before he goes. And so, you know, there's all these things. Lucifer comes up mm-hmm. and causes trouble and they're trying to do all these things to get rid of him. Well, what was funny to me was the stalling tactic of trying to make the shoe fit. Right. The first Anastasia, when she tried it, it was, it looked like it fit. And then you're like, oh, dude, check that out. And then when they pulled back her skirt, you realize, yeah, it's not even halfway down her foot. Mm -hmm. There is no way that shoe fits. And so the dude goes, yeah, no, nice try, but uh uh-uh. And then when Drizella tries it on and... She crams her foot in there, and then it pops flying up. Yeah, and then he catches it again. You know, the poor little footman catches it. Um, you know, or no, actually, I think the Duke caught it. But anyway, point is, is that the the stalling tactic. And they're like, okay, so this is it. And I, you know, the Duke is thinking to himself, oh, you gotta be kidding me. I, I can't go back. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my head because there's no other girls, but we haven't found her yet. How have we not found her? There's got to be some. There's got to be somewhere else. He didn't know where else to look. And he was like, I, would, I just want to go home. And he can't because he knows he will, he will be beheaded. So he's trying to say, look, are you sure there's no other? No, there's no other. And in the meantime, you know, Lucifer captures Gus with the key under the cup. Right. Right? Right. Because originally he'd done it under the foot. Mm-hmm. But he did it with the cup. And that's when Cinderella is pleading with Lucifer, please, please let him go, please. And that's, you know, for me, I was like, that cat's evil. He is not going to do it. And I was waiting for him. You know, I was hoping as a child he would have, you know, gone good. Nope. Mm-hmm. He was pure evil. He did not change at all. So what happens was, you know, that's when the birds are like, we need to get Bruno. And then that's when I think Gus was said, you know, Bruno, Bruno. And then they they called Bruno, get Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. And so they went and woke up Bruno. And I love that poor Bruno was just half asleep. And then he's trying to get over the, the, the door, the half door. And the birds had to lift his little butt and, uh, over, the, over the door. I thought that was really funny. I'm like, those are some strong birds. 
a lot of this movie was very frustrating. When Gus was trying to get away way back in the beginning yeah. of the movie, he kept yeah. running into Lucifer's paw yeah. instead of the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these different things. And then, yeah, let's get Bruno up there. He can't even make it over the door. Mm-hmm. So it's just it, it, things is so slow. It's like being in traffic and you're trying to get there and then everyone's slow. It's it like, builds what? the suspense. Yeah. So Otherwise, the story would go way too fast. So, Way too fast. Well, the last section of this movie was just screaming fast. Yeah, it was lightning speed. Especially mm-hmm. once a godmother yeah. to me showed up. It's like, yeah. shoo. Yeah. But, all right, so Bruna gets up there. The cat's freaked out. We get Cinderella out of there. Mm-hmm. My One of my most favorite scenes of the movie is once they crush Lady Tremaine. Trips the trips, footman. And it breaks the slipper. Right. And the Duke is laying there on the floor just sobbing. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? He's freaking out. I'm going to lose my head. Uh, this is terrible. This is terrible. You know. And then I love Cinderella's response. But perhaps it will help. I have the other shoe. Mm-hmm. And that's when Lady Tremaine's face is just absolute sheer horror. Because that would be enough. That would be enough. Yeah. You didn't have to try it on. Nope. It's let's go. It's you. Yeah. But. Nope. We'll and then try he it on. said, put it on her foot. I mean, it was perfect fit. It, you know, look, this isn't a crying drama or something, but I mean, no. you would have expected Lady Tremaine to go, how can we tell that's the right one? Everybody knew. Everybody knew. Yeah. So. Uh, and Even she realized she was defeated at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing we see is we see wedding bells and we hear them and the princess bride which they named her. She said that was one of the things they said. She'll be the princess bride. Mm-hmm. And that's when Cinderella goes, the princess bride. And that put her in the fog. The the interesting thing is we're so used to, and we'll talk about Once Upon a Time for, uh, for a bit here, is that we're used to these evil characters having a good side. Right. And you're absolutely right. All these evil characters stayed evil. Yeah. And to me, that's kind of a one-dimensional thing Mm -hmm. they're always mean they're always bad they're always whatever we don't know why they just are and and so it it makes it simple for a story Mm -hmm. sure but we we are used to that kind of turn of face of well i'll help you know but nope not not in this case right so so let's talk about the connections with once upon a time all right well well wait wait so we see the prince and princess mm-hmm. come down the staircase. She's yep. now a princess. And they get in the car and she blows kisses to the mice who are, of course, throwing rice, except for Gus, who's eating <laughs> yeah, the rice, which rice. I think is hilarious. Um, but I love that they're dressed in cute little uniforms. So they're in like little miniature Duke uniforms, which is very cute. And then, you know, all the birds and everything, everything's wonderful, happy. They get in their carriage and they ride off happily yep. ever after. And... Speaking of the day after, happily ever after, mm-hmm. once upon a time. Right. So what what did that look like in real life or what did that look like in reality? Well, that's where once upon a time had uh, quite a few interesting little things. Such as, it wasn't fairy tale ending for, it was and it wasn't for Ella. Right. Or Ashley, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite the perfect little name cinderella ashes sure cinder ashes anyway so ashley was perfect ashley boyd was that that was our cinderella character in once upon a time now they did do 
a lot of similar things where she's basically a scullery maid and she is, you know, not allowed to go to the ball. Right. And she's hating her life. It's it's wretched life. And her stepmother and stepsisters clearly go off to the ball, right. which she's watching the fireworks over the castle. She mentions later in the episode, uh, Price of Gold, that she is uh, she watches the fireworks every year mm-hmm. and knows that something special is happening for the, you know the palace. And here she's left out in the cold, um, being a little maid. Right. And then all of a sudden, her fairy godmother appears, very yes. lovely younger mm-hmm. African American woman, mm-hmm. and she's dressed in gold. Which I thought was kind of funny. Right. Because our fairy godmother in Cinderella was dressed in blue with pink ribbon. And, and was a little older. And was an older older lady. So, and, and what I love about Once Upon a Time is, is it's fairy tales, but with a twist. And so mm-hmm. once the fairy godmother gets there and say, we're going to change your life and mm-hmm. da-da-da, boom. Yeah. Rumpelstiltskin zaps her. Spoiler alert extinguishes her right and takes the magic wand right and he becomes in a sense ella's fairy god fairy godmother and fairy godfather and Mm -hmm. he for a price and for a deal for a trade right he will make her dreams come true right and as things go on, then then we see more. So there are certain connections. Right, but. right. Because the fairy godmother didn't get an opportunity to finish her right. speech about, I'm going to help you, mm-hmm. and here's how. I can make your life better. She started telling her that, and that was all that's, that Ella needed to hear in order to say, absolutely, let's do this. And so when Rumpel basically said, you can't handle this. This is pure evil because right. she said oh it's pure magic he, he was pure evil so he was he was manipulating her Absolutely. into taking his deal sure. and steering her away from this magic that she was gonna she was probably thinking that's what i need this fairy godmother is gonna use this wand sure. and magically make me you know da, da, da. make my life better and i so all i have to do is just pick up the wand and try right. it myself right or i don't know what she was thinking she could do maybe she could sell the wand but she clearly had plans for the wand and when he basically swooped out of thin air and took it and yeah. told her she couldn't handle it she's like yes i can yes I can he goes well all magic comes with a price dearie and so, so he made her sign a contract right and it was a the funny thing is is that again you know when you're talking to a teenage girl she's desperate for anything right well, he knew that. He understood that. And he basically told her, I want something precious. I don't know just yet, but it'll come. You'll have it. And he knew exactly what was coming because Rumpel can see the future. Right. Well, let's, let's leave a little bit for them to watch the well, of course. episode but but what i'm saying is is that he could see this so he he didn't he didn't get into specifics and she didn't mm-hmm. ask right it's funny compare this with the way it was done in the movie whereas the fairy godmother didn't ask for anything in return there was no deal made it was just hey you know what i want you to believe again i think you know you deserve this there is a catch so I guess in a sense there is a price mm-hmm. and that is you it only lasts till midnight so it was limited time only. Yeah. And so uh that's the big difference is that it lasted till midnight whereas with um Cinderella not necessarily. The other connection was Gus. 
was in well, Once yeah. Upon a Time. Gus, Gus was in Once Upon a Time. We never saw him change, but it was Billy, the right. gentleman that worked at the garage. Right, at the Marine Garage. And he, yeah, auto mechanic, tow truck driver mm-hmm. also, yeah. and friends of Ruby. Yes. As well as, I would imagine, friends of... Ella as well. Yeah, or probably. Ashley. Maybe. Ashley, yeah, maybe. So anyway, that's the only other connection that I can see. But yeah. A oh few. no, there's definitely another connection. Okay. Same episode when Henry is going back home after his day with Emma and trying to help Ashley um get it you know, get away from Mr. Gold. Um he runs up the staircase in the house oh, as right. Regina is pulling in the driveway. Yep. And he drops a shoe, one of his tennis shoes, on the staircase and leaves it there because he doesn't have time to go back for it. And then when Regina comes in, I told you never to leave your shoes on the staircase. Mm -hmm. Somebody could trip over them. So that was the whole uh, connection with Cinderella. And later on when Ashley Boyd is reunited with her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. he brings... The baby that's born, right? A pair of shoes. Yes. So. Yes. Again, a little, eh, yeah, little nod, little nod, yeah, yeah. little tiny nod to um, to the movie. The unfortunate thing is they didn't really use the Cinderella character much no. in Once Upon nope. a Time. Um, she's been in a few episodes. They've had a couple of little storylines with her, but it kind of resolved itself because she and Sean got engaged yep. before the curse was even broken. So that was kind of an interesting thing. We never saw what happened. I'd love to see what happened, you know, with her storyline. I'd love to see her come back. We did see her again in um, Once Upon a Time briefly. in Wonderland. Briefly. Just, Very briefly. Yeah, one little shot. Yeah. So, but I, I would like to see them bring that character back to Once Upon a Time. Yeah. I think there's more that they could, you know, pull into it, maybe. I mean, there's there's all kinds of things they could probably do with her. We never really saw what happened to... Because in, in the mm-hmm. flashback to the fairy tale world, yep. Shonda's, or Thomas, her prince, disappeared over by the, the well. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what happened to him. There was and they never really explained it, as far as I recall. One of our listeners emailed in and said that she thinks that he was the frog prince, and... With Once Upon a Time, they do combine different stories and sure. different characters sure. and that kind of thing. So right. that is definitely a possibility. Yeah, I, yeah. So. I would think so. But I kind of wanted to you know, see more of that. I think that, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happened with that. All right. I want to introduce you to the host of the Disney podcast, Those Darn Cats. All right. And... These are their thoughts about Cinderella. Hey, Jennifer. Yes, Lisa. We have been asked to talk about our favorite Cinderella moment by the Disney Once Again podcast. We can do it. We can do it. We can talk about Cinderella. That's awesome because you just summarized practically my favorite moment in your song interpretation there and your favorite moment is okay who cannot love the best thing about cinderella is all the creatures making her dress yeah 
I mean, that is yeah, the really best is. moment. I'm sure there's many little girls out there, and speaking as a Disney bride, um, I know there's lots of people out there who want to ride in Cinderella's coach and who want to have glass slippers and who want to marry a prince, but I pretty much want talking farm animals and mice wearing little outfits around me at all possible moments. I would like them to make me a wardrobe. I think also, you'll fabulous. notice they help with the household chores. I know. See, this is how Disney has really... Um, Ruined your life? <laughs> well, you know, it gave me unrealistic expectations yes. of what owning a home would be like. Oh, uh-huh. Like, if I, if I need help with, like, home maintenance, there's never any little birds or mice that come to help me. If there's mice in my house... It's not good. It's never to help me with my chores. <laughs> no. It, perhaps it's because you haven't made them little clothes. Huh. I think believe in that any thought. You're crafty. I know that you are. Maybe I need to make them outfits. That and I love outfits. So I think we should get together off air. We could kind of discuss this um, yes. further as far as the whole clothing thing goes because that's definitely one. But as you're saying this, it's making me think that I think you bring different things to Cinderella as each generation sees it <laughs> because you're seeing it. You're bringing like this um, homeowner and help with the housework. <laughs> perspective to it and apparently you had that at an early age i never i you know i have to say though for the reputation that cinderella has i never got a love thing out of the cinderella story to me i got um the magical animals and the idea of having a fairy godmother and her sparkly magic which does result in some in a pretty awesome sparkly dress, but I liked the sparkling part of it more than the actual like I need to have that dress or whatever. The sparkly magic that the um, fairy godmother has, and I, to me that was that was the impression that that was made on me there. Well, and I never saw it as a child. I think by the time I saw Cinderella, I was in my thirties. Oh my! So, so I. I mean, I was impressed by things like the animation on the bubbles as she's washing the floor. So by the time I saw it, it was from a whole different perspective. Oh, wow. Well, and as as an adult, I'll say that harking to the Disney parks, what I love about that is now I have a a huge love for Lady Tremaine Mm. and the Ugly Stepsisters. Having seen them live and in person in the parks, I highly recommend that to listeners. Mm. So all in all, we get from Cinderella, we get help with housework, outfits for animals, and sparkly magic. There you go. I guess I should say something like, thank you for having us on your podcast. Or, yeah, you could say it right now and edit it into the end. Oh, hey, hey, that's some magical right there. Okay. Well, thanks, Jeff and Colleen, for inviting us on Disney Once Again podcast. We are... I don't know. What am I going to say? I don't know because we already went over three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's over and out. Over and out. And with that, they are gone. I know. Well, but- thanks, ladies. And by the way, I had no idea they were going to talk about the outfits from the mice. So <laughs> great minds think alike. Yes. Thank you, Lisa and Jennifer. And be sure to check out Those Darn Cats, Mm -hmm. a very fun and informative Disney podcast. Nice. So we will have a link in the show notes for that for you to go and check them out. Yeah. 
And that's it. We the, these podcasts keep being longer and longer and longer, well, I and I I try to lot, move it along. I there's, really there's, do. There's a lot to discuss. Yeah. There really yeah. is. So we uh, hope that you are enjoying this, and if you are enjoying this, mm-hmm. and if you're in a mood to give us a five star rating and review, you can head <laughs> on over to iTunes.onceuponatimepodcast.com and do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And if you're having a bad day, don't go over there. Just Hopefully have a good day. Maybe have some chocolate. So next time we are going to be, here's a little sneaky peeky. Colleen already sneak peeked you. Yeah. But here, here's some music I want to play. That's right. Our next animated classic feature from Disney that we'll be discussing is Sleeping Beauty. Yes, it is. And that's not Lana Del Rey. But anyhow. No. Thank God. No, it's Mary Costa, the beautiful Mary Costa who sang and did the speaking voice for Sleeping Beauty. So thanks. Which is, by the way, my favorite Disney animated feature. All right. As well as Walt's. Yes. Very good. So thank you, everyone, so much for joining us for mm-hmm. our little podcast during the hiatus for Once Upon a Time. We've had a lot mm-hmm. of fun and I think discovered a lot of really cool things. Mm-hmm. And we've been helped out by some amazing podcasters. Yes, we have. Thanks to one and all. So next is Sleeping Beauty, as uh, we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And we will be talking at you all soon. See you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for Disney Once Again. Disney Once Again is a Rony's Own Media production and part of the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. If you're new to the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, you can go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes and subscribe to the feed. That way, you'll never miss another episode. We're building a community around this podcast on Facebook. You can get to it at facebook.com slash Disney once again. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, this is Jeff and Colleen saying talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.